your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. So just a bit of background as we're about to hit 7.38. Pakistan passed a law recently really taking further its legal efforts to root out honor killings because there has been legislation before, but an apparent loophole allowed the continuation of this practice, not only the practice in itself, but also the very prominent killing of social media celebrity uh, Kandil Balaj at the age of 26 in the last few months. And um, let's bring in Mr. Sarub Ijaz, Pakistan researcher at Human Rights Watch, currently in the United States, but normally based in Lahore. Good morning to you from Seoul. Uh, good morning. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us. So, um, I mean, can you just give us a bit of background here on, on some of the efforts that have been made uh, going back more than a decade to deal with this problem and why they've not worked so far? The problem uh, is so deep-rooted, and it's a problem which is institutional, uh, it is a problem of laws, but it's also a societal problem. And uh, it has been the problem of, of violence committed against women, on either on the pretext of uh, honor, or so-called honor killings, or general uh, misogyny and violence in the country. And there have been reasons which have been political, there have been reasons which sometimes are... Uh, religious or a particular interpretation of religion and, and social. And, but the principal problem was that you have had governments who've been unwilling to make necessary amendments to the law itself, which allows, which provides an enabling environment for uh, violence against women to be committed and perpetrators not to be held accountable. And when you say this is you know, effectively deep-rooted in the culture, I mean, is, is that Pakistani culture? Is it um, uh, a wider culture, for example, based on religion? What, what is the main factor there that uh, actually I, justifies this behavior? I mean, I mean it is thoroughly, it's completely unjustified. But when I say culture, I don't necessarily mean religion uh, exclusively. It is, a, it is a regional problem. Uh, honor killings are a problem in, uh, in uh, have been a problem in India, uh, there have been honor killings in Bangladesh, and the idea is that a society which is a tribal society, mm. which is in some ways a pre-modern society, or at least some customs, which are customs from a pre-modern era, have passed on. And this is, so it's not a religious problem, it's a, it's a cultural Problem, more importantly, it is the justification is crafted in cultural terms, which doesn't mean that there is wider or very wide acceptance of the practice. But, um, I mean, just to deal with the whole question of Islam briefly here, because uh, I, 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 I think it's very clear that it's not solely an Islamic problem by any stretch of the imagination. You've just mentioned the India example, for example, which is uh, yes. certainly not solely Islamic in the, or dominated in that way, in the same way that Pakistan is. But can we just address it? Because conservative Muslim clerics often weigh in on this debate. And how does this law to attempt to root out honor killings, how, how is that maybe affected by uh, Muslim interpretations of law? Yeah. Sure. I mean, one problem 
that, that has occurred in Pakistan is that one interpretation of Islamic jurisprudence has led to the idea that murder is a, is a private affair and hence the family of the victim can forgive the perpetrator, the murderer. And that is what the Pakistani clerics have often held on to and have resisted any attempts to make posit for positive change to be made in, in honor killings. The, the law the, of so-called honor killing. And while this new law is a step in the right direction, it still has problems because it leaves, it gives the discretion or it leaves it to the court to either forgive, uh, it gives the direct discretion to the court to either uh, allow the compromise or not. So it, it still, is, while it is a step in the right direction, fundamental problems remain and the solution to them lies in uh, in making Pakistani criminal jurisprudence like uh, most others now in comparable situations where crime is an offense against society or state. Uh, and I think the clerics can play a role in, in giving a progressive interpretation of, of religion. But the point is it's really up to the government that yeah. they have to take this proposition that they will not be hostage to to a group of unelected clerics. That's essentially yeah. what it is. Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of Muslim leaders out there who would oppose honor killings. It goes, I hope, without saying, but uh, it's also worth bearing in mind the way in which um, that sort of legal interpretation can, can potentially present a stumbling block. Let's, let's get to this case. Back in July, it was when the celebrity, Quandil uh, Balaj, uh, was killed yep. at the age of 26 by her own younger brother, um, she'd yeah. um, posted what might be described as sensual videos, suggestive photos. They insulted her brother's honour. That's the allegation anyway. I'm sure many of us would go yeah. on Twitter or Facebook and find countless similar examples, probably far more risque. But um, can you tell us a bit more about this case and how it jarred the country into wanting yes. to take further action? Sure. Sure. Uh, what she represented was a young, free woman who was uh, free enough or courageous enough to live life on her own terms. And that threatens people. That threatens people in a society like Pakistan, where misogyny is so deeply embedded, not only for reasons of religion, but for, for interpretations of religion, for cultural reasons and and the fact that all of this happened and you know the the, uh, the idea of the brother doing it for honor now with more information coming out it seems there's, there's more to it as well that same brother was being i mean she kandil essentially was supporting the brother financially completely and but so it wasn't only about honor it was also and it was you know it, his honor was not besmirched by living off uh, the income that Kandil had. But in this case, I think what happened was because she was so well known, mm. she was something that people could asso associate with. And then they saw honor killing, or the so-called honor killing, in all its naked obscenity of how irrational, of how violent, of how medieval yeah. this entire practice is. And I think that has left 
uh, an impression on public consciousness, which you know, by no means uh, is the battle over, but that did shake the Pakistan public consciousness. How restricted is life for women in Pakistan? I, I don't know how much regional variation, for example, there is between large cities and and even between large cities and, and rural areas. But if we're going to generalize in the time we have available, what's the situation currently facing women and, and what do they realistically have to do to suddenly become endangered? I think when we talk about life for women in Pakistan, we have to stop, uh, I mean, we have to be very wary of generalizations. Of course. Because we have to keep in mind that Pakistan was, we've had, you know, in the Islamic world, and essentially in the region, the first Muslim female head of state in, the, in 1988. Pakistan has a history of very empowered, uh, phenomenal women, starting from uh, Fatima Jinnah, who was uh, the sister of the founder of Pakistan, Mr. Jinnah. Mm -hmm. And so that's one part of the story. Another part of the story is during the 80s, there was a very deliberate attempt by the state by the military dictatorship of General Jawul Haq to radicalize the society and to essentially make the society more regressive. And women did uh, primarily bear the brunt of it. And that, that is true. There's no denying that. Right. But even now in Pakistan, it varies from region, it varies from cities, it varies from uh, sometimes uh, old... In the, so-called cultural practices. But what well, Pakistan still has a uh, history. So it is, it, and that's what the clerics want, uh, the few group of clerics want people in Pakistan and the world to forget, mm. which is uh, Pakistan is a history of human rights activists, of uh, very fiery, brave human rights activists like Atma Gandhi, uh, people like Benazir Bhutto, and those are the people who have led the women, the movement uh, for female emancipation in Pakistan. And I think this step in the right direction, which I, I mentioned the caveat earlier, is also primarily due to a women's movement in Pakistan, which has been ongoing since uh, at least the 80s. Uh, that, having said that, I would not... There is widespread misogyny, there is widespread violence, there is an utter lack of accountability for perpetrators, and hence the, the Pakistan government has to align itself yeah. with uh, the women's rights movement. Clearly a highly complex picture. We, we certainly wish you all the best with your efforts to help put further pressure Thank on ensuring you. that this latest uh, legal revision actually bears fruit in terms of protecting women in the country. Uh, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us. Thank you. Mr. Sarab Ijaz from Human Rights Watch, based in Pakistan, for now on the line in the United States. You can have your say right now via tweets at EFM this morning.